the freedom we have because of those who have served our country, even gave of their lives. May we might remain free. We thank you. So encourage us this hour. Grant us your grace and peace. We'll give you the praise for the promise of everlasting life through Jesus Christ our Lord, and whose name we pray, and all the people said, Amen. Amen. You may be seated. couple of quick announcements I'd like to make. Um, I'd like to thank Kent for continuing this tradition. I'd like to welcome you. If you are a visitor, uh, we're really glad that you joined us on this very special weekend as we remember loved ones lost. Uh, the Signs and Songs Choir had originally planned to perform this morning and decided they wanted a couple of extra weeks to perfect their specials. So Sunday, June 8th, they will be uh, performing during both services. A letter went out this week that said there would be practice at 10.30 today, and that is incorrect. There will not be practice today at 10.30, so please make note of that. I'm very excited about what's happening in the weeks that follow. You see several things up on your screen. Next week's going to be really cool. Melanie Cheatham and Class Act Kids are going to be blessing us during both services. We're going to have guests on the 8th. 15th and 22nd of June that really need no introduction. Joe Flammer, church planner in New Zealand, and then two Timothys from our church, Carson Cheatham on the 15th and Jim Turney on the 22nd are going to be with us, and they're going to all be sharing briefly during both morning services about what God is doing in their new church works uh, in New England and in New Zealand. So please make note of that. Two weeks from today at 9.30 is Cody Monkman's ordination, and that morning Ernie Harvey is going to be back with us, and he's going to be preaching during both morning services. So I've got to write a sermon and send it off to Ernie so he'll have a sermon to preach on that morning. VBS starts two weeks from tomorrow. Some, someone please text him right now and tell him that he was mentioned in this service. He'll love that. Uh, VBS is June 9 through 13, and uh, it's one of the greatest weeks we have here at FCC. Very, very excited about what's going to happen this year. As you know, this is Memorial Day weekend, and if you are a Facebooker, there have been several uh, posts, pictures, messages that have reminded us that this isn't just a three-day weekend. This isn't National Barbecue Day, but it is time for us to pause and to remember those men and women who paid the ultimate price so we can be free. And I know many of you have loved ones that uh, have paid that price, and I'm so thankful that we live in the land of the free. There was a really special ceremony that took place Friday morning here at the Clinton Cemetery, Woodlawn Cemetery, um, by the American Legion and the Auxiliary and, and several of our patriots, uh, they honored the, the, the first two DeWitt County casualties during World War I, uh, Welby Krang and Artie Bennett. And I was able to be a part of that ceremony. It was a wonderful time. I learned that Artie Bennett was a member of this church. Welby Krang was a, me- uh, Welby Krang was a member of the Presbyterian Church. But uh, both young men paid an incredible, incredible price. They both had great futures in front of them. And uh, the first two men from DeWitt County to die during World War I. And I wanted to say thank you to Marge DeVore and all the people that, that made that morning possible. And I would remind you there'll be a very special ceremony. It happens every Monday, Memorial Day Monday, tomorrow morning. I think the time is 10 o'clock. Is that, is that correct? Is it 10 o'clock? Someone nod if that's right. I think that's right. And... Uh, 
please go to the cemetery and be a part of that great ceremony. Well, if you are a visitor, um, I don't know if this is good news or bad news, but this is week four of a four-week series. Oh, hold on. One more announcement. Sorry. Thank you, Dana. This is probably one of the most important announcements. Nelson's Chicken Dinner this Wednesday. The Clinton Rotary Club sponsors it. All the money raised goes to food pantries here in town, including FCCs. So buy one, buy two, buy ten tickets. Karen Rice will be available. It will be a great time. This Wednesday, drive through chicken dinner sponsored by the Clinton Rotary. Well, this, this month has been um, stewardship month at FCC. And we've talked about why it's important to talk about stewardship. So you are blessed because you're going to get to hear week four uh, of this series. The good news is it's not a long message, but uh, maybe the bad news, if there is bad news, is that the words of Jesus break my heart about every time that I read them. And I'm reminded that stewardship is a lifelong challenge for followers of Jesus Christ. Whether you're a member of the Christian church or the Methodist church or the Catholic church, whatever church may be, we are called to take seriously stewardship. And today's message is entitled, Right on the Money. Well, let's read together from God's Word, Matthew chapter 6, beginning with verse 19. Jesus said, Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where moth and rust do not destroy, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The eye is the lamp of the body. Your eyes are good, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? No one can serve two masters. Either he will hate the one, And love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Get something to write on real quickly. I've got a quick quiz to figure out if you are a math person or not, okay? And if you are 5 or 15 or 75, I think you might do okay on this quiz. Three questions. 2 plus 2 equals? Okay. 2 minus 1 equals, this is the tough one here, 3 times 3 equals, okay, if you got all three right, raise your hand. You guys are all, there's a lot of hands that didn't go up. Is there a math teacher in the church? She is. Hey, um, I want to know if you're a math person, and I'm going to actually put on one of my wife's. My wife leads the math club at Lincoln High School, and we've got all these little cool math t-shirts here, and hopefully this is going to fit me. I'm going to jump it on here. But I, uh, I want to talk about math today, because for many of us, when it comes to stewardship, um, it's all about the math. It's all about the math. And so this message is in three parts, and part one is simply entitled Math 101. Math 101, I want to share with you the five laws of money management. And you may be saying, is this church? Is this a sermon? Or is this a financial planning seminar? Just bear with me. The five laws of money management. Law number one is the law of earning. And this isn't rocket science for you, but if you don't earn any money, you're going to struggle with stewardship. It doesn't mean you can't be a good steward. Stewardship is what we do with our time, our talent, and our treasure. But the first thing any money manager would tell you is, 
You've got to earn money. If you're going to master money management, you have to earn money. Law number two is the law of spending. The law of spending. And I would like to speak to all the high school students, to all the college students. I've got a great tip for you in this arena. Don't spend more than you earn. Okay? Do not spend more than you earn. I'm not being funny when I say this. Several marriages that I've spent time with as pastor, as counselor, the greatest stress on that marriage was the fact that one or both people in the marriage didn't understand that if I only earn $20,000 a year, I can't spend $25,000 a year. Money, huge, huge stress if you don't master the idea that you can't spend beyond what you earn. Law number three, the law of saving. The law of saving. And, and one of the things that money managers will tell you is earn, spend wisely, but get in the habit of saving. Get in the habit of saving. Law number four, the law of investing. The law of investing. See, it is good to save money, but if you just take the money and just put it in a simple checking account, it's not going to work for you necessarily. But money managers will tell you, if you take the money that you've earned and you've not spent and you've saved and you've invested it, and maybe you forget about it and you trust your money manager and 30, 40, 50 years later, that amount of money is going to be so much more than what you started with because of the law of investing. Now, most money managers would just stop right here. They'd say, earn, don't spend too much, save, and invest. But I want to talk to you today about law number five, the law of giving. The law of giving. And this is, again, where some money managers, they're not so sure uh, that what I'm about to share with you should be shared. I won't be teaching any money management seminars anytime soon. America is the greatest nation on the face of the earth. Americans are among the most generous people on the face of the earth. And as I look out, many of you are, are better prepared and better equipped to talk about giving than I have because your life has been the story, the testimony of giving with passion. I could share 15 illustrations of people that I've made eye contact with this morning that have moved me close to tears by uh, anonymous sacrificial giving this year. This year. Blessed people that needed to be blessed. But here's the catch. Unfortunately, for many of us, we forget about law number five. Average Americans give about 2.5% of their earnings away each year. So if you earn $50,000 average salary, if you're an average American, that means you would give away, math majors, 1,250, I think. Is that right? You're not sure. Okay, we think it's 1,250. Maybe less than that, actually. I'm not a math major. What about average Christians? You would think that average Christians would be significantly better than that. They're better, but I wouldn't say significantly better. Average Christian American gives away about 3.8% of their earnings each year. I remember when um, a presidential election was taking place maybe six years ago, one of the candidates for one of the offices 
shared the giving, the charitable giving that he and his wife had had over the past 10 years. I won't name him this morning, but even though his salary and his income had been in the $300,000 a year range, they had averaged giving away $369 a year. Not a week, not a month, a year. That's not much of a model to, to hold up. And yet, they are not alone. For many, many people, we earn, we spend, we save, we invest, and we stop right there. Math 101. Now, what I want to do with part two is help you understand that kingdom stewardship is different. You have to go beyond the math. And here's the thing I want you to understand as a Christ follower. Understand different is good. I'm not talking about Arby's. I'm not talking about a beef and cheddar. I'm talking about looking at what stewardship is and what stewardship means for followers of Jesus Christ and going beyond the math. And we go beyond the math in a couple ways. When we live beyond the math, it changes the equation. It changes the equation. If you commit to live beyond the math, if you commit to be serious about kingdom stewardship, it's going to change the equation. I asked you earlier, what's two plus two? You said four. What's two minus one? You said one. What's three times three? You said nine. That's math by the numbers. Kingdom stewardship changes the equation. In some ways, two plus two becomes five. In some ways, two minus one becomes two. In some some ways, three times three becomes 11. And you may be saying, I didn't learn that in school. Let me share with you a scripture, a proverb Solomon shares in Proverbs 11. I love this. He says, one man gives freely, and yet he gains even more. Another withholds unduly, but comes to poverty. A generous man will prosper. He who refreshes others will himself be refreshed. People curse the man who hoards the grain, but blessing crowns him who is willing to sell. I don't understand this. I can't get a big whiteboard out here and a marker and and diagram it for you today. But the times in my life when the Taylor family has been incredibly generous, blessings have poured down upon us. And the times when I've allowed my human side to get the best of me and I was going to show them, and I've not been generous, I've bucked being generous, crazy things have happened. Unexpected expenses cropped up. Now, you're probably saying, this sounds health and wealth gospel, this sounds a little crazy. That's not what I'm saying. God doesn't want everyone to be a millionaire. You, You will probably not be a millionaire. But I will tell you, testimony times, the times in my life when we have been most generous, we have received the most blessing. And many of you could share a similar testimony. Living beyond the math changes the equation. Secondly, living beyond the math changes the path. It changes the path. There, there's a, just a short run-on sentence of a verse in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Don't tell the Apostle Paul that I said that. But here's what he says. We live by faith, not by sight. Just a simple snippet. We live by faith, not by sight. And later on in chapter 5, Paul is talking about how we are a new creation, and we are therefore Christ's ambassadors, and we have the ministry of reconciliation. And a lot of that great teaching, I love 2 Corinthians chapter 5. It starts with this little snippet in verse 7. 
We live by faith, not by sight. When you embrace kingdom stewardship, the plan is different. And then number three, living beyond the math changes the plan. It changes the plan. There is a quote from Jesus that is not in the Gospels, but it's in the book of Acts. In Acts chapter 20, we see this testimony from the Apostle Paul. He says, in everything I did, I showed you that by this kind of hard work, we must help the weak, remembering the words of the Lord Jesus himself. It is more blessed to give than to receive. It's more blessed to give than to receive. When we were little kids, some of us are still little kids, but when we were little kids, we loved Christmas morning. Why? Because we got all kinds of presents. It was amazing that Santa Claus knew what I wanted for Christmas almost every year. He was so amazing in so many ways. And I loved ripping open that paper and and getting the G.I. Joe with the Kung Fu grip or something like that. It was awesome. And I will tell you now, I love to give so much more than I love to receive. Many of you love to give so much more than you love to receive. Part of that's being a parent. Part of that's maturing in life. Part of that is being a kingdom steward. I wish I could have been here in November of 1997 when the sanctuary opened for the first time. And I could have seen so many of your faces and the joy and the excitement to hold the very first service in a sanctuary that so many people said could never be built. I wish I could have been there last summer when our high schoolers and some of our adults went to the Dominican Republic, fourth poorest country in the Western Hemisphere, and saw the joy of Jesus in children that have so little, some have nothing, and realize that you don't have to have stuff to love Jesus. The joy, the blessing. Living beyond the math changes the plan. And so I told you this wasn't going to be a long message, and it's not, but I have a challenge for you today. I want you to commit to be right on the money. Commit to be right on the money. That's a play on words. But for so many of us, we are not right on the money. For so many of us, we've bought the lies that stuff brings happiness. We bought the lies that if my checking account has a large balance, I'm going to have the safety and security that will see me through anything. And I challenge you today to be right on the money. And in order to be right on the money, number one, you have to have the right storehouse. You have to have the right storehouse. What's it mean to have the right storehouse? Jesus tells us in in Matthew chapter 6, beginning with verse 19. He says, do not store up for yourself treasures on earth, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven. See, one of the things about this day that is very humbling for me is that I know one of these Memorial Days, my name will be read. I hope it's not next year. I hope it's not anytime soon. But I'm on borrowed time. You're on borrowed time. 
And do you want your legacy to live three years or 30 years or for all of eternity? One of the cool things that happened in India, I shared this, I think, in a message, was the Cindy Rutan Orphanage. Cindy Rutan was just kind of an average person, came into some money, found out she had cancer, lived in Springfield, didn't have a lot of family around, found out the cancer was terminal. The doctors told her those words we never want to hear. There's nothing more than we can do. And she decided that she was going to take a large chunk of the money that that she had received unexpectedly. And she was going to start an orphanage in India. She's been gone for several years now. And right now in India, they're getting ready to go to bed. And there are children that would be on the streets of Imphal that have a warm bed to sleep in. Because one person said, it's all right to store up treasures on earth, but I want to store up treasures in heaven. Her legacy lives on and on and on. You must have the right storehouse. Secondly, you must have the right perspective. If this sermon ruffled your feathers a little bit, and for some of you, man, you've had to have four straight stewardship messages. I mean, we've been hammering it this month. Let me share with you the words of Jesus following this chunk of Scripture that we looked at today. Very simple, Matthew 6.33. He says, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you as well. Think kingdom first, and you'll get some of the other stuff. I'll take care of you. I'll bless you. That's the kingdom perspective. That's the kingdom stewardship perspective. And then finally, in order to be right on the money, you must have the right Lord of your life. Everybody wants Jesus as Savior. Very, I, I've actually had some people, but very few people tell me, you know, I just I, I don't want any part of Jesus. Heaven's overrated. I, I, very few people have ever said that. We love the let's go to heaven. We love that Jesus is my Savior. What's tougher to master is Jesus as Lord of my life. Jesus in charge. When I was a youth minister, um, one of the the slogans that, that kids would use, teens would use, sometimes they'd say it to their parents, sometimes if they were really bold, they'd say it to their to their teachers or their coaches was, don't boss me. Did you ever have anybody ever tell you that? Don't boss me. And there's a little bit of all of us as humans, we don't want anyone to boss us. We don't want someone to say, go take out the trash. We want to decide to go take out the trash. Not that that's ever happened in my life or anything along those lines. I, I need a boss in my life. I need a Lord for my life. And that's why Jesus said no one can serve two masters. You cannot serve both God and money. Too many of us, we're playing the game of accumulation. We're playing the the game of more. We're playing the game of his house is nicer than my house. 
his car is nicer than my car. And so we're killing ourselves. We're kicking ourselves in the rear to get more and more and more and more. And if you're going to be right on the money, I challenge you to serve God first and foremost. And let the money thing, let the material possessions thing fall in somewhere behind. I leave you this morning with a simple question. Are you right on the money. Let's pray. God, thank you for today. And thank you, uh, first of all, for the chance this morning to remember our loved ones that have left us. And it's my prayer that, um, that as we f- reflect on their lives, we'll be better in our lives today. For many of us, um, the parent, the grandparent, the child, the sibling, the friend, the neighbor that, that were remembered today. They're leaving a legacy even as we speak this morning. So it's my prayer we'll remember their life and we'll be better in this life because of them. But most of all today, we remember your son Jesus Christ. And we remember that even though we are sinners and we fall short of your glory, he died on the cross even though he was perfect in every way. Because I'm a sinner. Because we are sinners. And so we rejoice in that gift of grace. We rejoice in the blessings that your son Jesus Christ provides for us on this earth and in the life to come. We love you. It's in your name we pray. Amen.